Hey guys, 2016, huh? You're probably feeling the difference, aren't you? Who's feeling the difference? You're lying. Um, it feels a whole lot like 2015, which felt a whole lot like 2014, and there's an irony about that, but even though it kind of feels the same, you don't know what's going to happen. You don't. I mean, one thing I can tell you for certain is that we're one year closer to Jesus returning. Now, I don't know when he's coming back, but I know he is coming back, and so we're one year closer. So there's a, a lot of things that can actually happen this year, interesting things. Um, just thinking back about the last year, I kind of read the newspapers a fair bit, like to see what's kind of happening. I don't like to depress myself, but I read them anyway. And uh, one of the stories that really caught my attention and a lot of people's attention last year was around last August. Can we see it up on screen? Yeah, it's uh, about this French family who went on holidays. And so they're going on holidays and they're driving in their car, probably a Peugeot or something like that, or a Renault like I've got, to the French Riviera. And they stop off at a service station on the way. As you do, you get some petrol, a few snacks and whatever. And they get their little toddler out of the car. I'm not sure how old the toddler was or what sex the toddler was. But um, anyway, they ended up just leaving the toddler there. And um, they drove for 150k. Okay, it's a fair while. And the interesting thing is, they actually didn't turn around and notice the kid wasn't there. They had the radio on, and it came over the news that somebody's just left a kid in a petrol station, right? And can you imagine they look at each other and thought, what sort of parents are those? <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden, somebody has a look around, and they realise it's their kid. Um, now, that would have been a pretty interesting one to explain to the police, okay? And, you know, I guess when you hear about stuff like this happening, you kind of think, well... What sort of parents are those, you know? I mean, how could you really forget? And I, I actually don't know the answer to that. But um, some pretty impressive people who people would probably not call deadbeat parents or something like that have actually left their kids as well. Can we see the next slide? This one's a particularly interesting one because this happened to the Prime Minister of England, or of Britain. Um, and what's so unbelievable about it is, look at the headline, distraught Prime Minister David Cameron leaves his eight-year-old daughter Nancy in the pub after Sunday lunch. Can you imagine that little eight-year-old crying in her beer? It must have been really distraught and whatever, but once again, what actually happened? Well, he's out there having lunch with his wife and his 50 security detail or whatever, you know, very private family function. And um, he gets in one car with his security detail and his wife gets in the other car and the daughter decides to go to the toilet. She's eight years old. And uh, she comes back and it's kind of like no parents, okay? Um, and really embarrassing for him when you're looking after the security of a nation when you can't even work out where one of your kids are, you know? Uh, interesting. But, um, you know, I, I think the reality is, is that they're good parents and they were very upset and very distraught. And, uh, you know, it's, it's happened to some real quality people. Um, the one I really want to focus on tonight is um, Jesus' parents. Now, what do you guys think of Jesus' parents? You, you'd think they'd be pretty upstanding people and they have angels appearing to them and whatever. But there is an incident which is theologically known as the Home Alone incident in the Bible where um, little Jesus, who's uh, 12 years old... Um, they're down in Jerusalem and the parents leave without him. And he's hanging out for like three days on his own. Pretty interesting, isn't it? Let me just read it to you. And, uh, and as we're reading it, I'd be interested to see what's going on in your brain. 
What I mean by that is, um, who do you think's at fault here? Okay, who do you think's at fault? Let me just read it. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they travelled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Three days. That's a while. Okay? Who do you think was at fault? Parents? Or the kid? How many... (laughs) Thank you for that answer. Um, I'll take that as the parents. And... um, How many of you are under the age of 16? How many of you will will not be honest about the fact you're under the age of 16? Okay, there's nobody here under the age of 16. That's amazing. But sometimes we have um, answers depending on our circumstances and whatever. But a lot of people, when they read this, that's the question they're trying to answer. Well, you know, who's, who's at fault here? I mean, we're told Jesus is sinless and he's the son of God. And yet we're told, you know, that Mary is, you know, beloved and uh, esteemed of all women. So it's a, it's a pretty dicey situation. Let's just think about it for a little while. I mean, what sort of parenting is it that you're in a, a big city and you're not keeping your eye on your kids? Look at uh, verse 43 with me. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. How can you not be aware of your 12-year-old kid? If we go on the next verse, it says, thinking he was in their company. They kind of thought he was. They travelled on for a day. They didn't just miss him for a moment. They missed this kid for one whole day. What was Mary up to? Now, if you read in other parts of the Bible, you'll find that Jesus had other brothers and sisters... So, you know, she probably had her hands full, which is fair enough. Eventually, we're told in verse 45, when they... um, uh, Verse 44, he was in their company. They travelled on for a day. Then they began to look for him among their relatives and friends. And then in verse 45, when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Now, the interesting thing about the looking for him is obviously they have no conception where he would be. They obviously look in all of the wrong places first. I mean, look, seriously, if my parents had lost me when I was a kid, the last place they would be looking for was in a church. Okay, they'd be looking in the pinball parlour, they'd be looking at the movies, they'd be looking in the beach, you know, all the really cool places, right? Um, And it seems like this is what they did, because they certainly didn't go to the temple. But we read in verses 46 and 47... After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Everybody was amazed except his parents, of course. They were anything but amazed. They were quite the opposite. So, you know, who kind of thinks, yeah, there could be a case for the parents. You know, they're, you know, they're not really paying attention. They're not really doing the right thing here. That's kind of what it seems like. But... What about the argument? I mean, Jesus is not really... How many people think toddlers are 12 years old? No, he's 12. And something I've got to tell you as well, you may not be aware of this, but in his day and age, 
in Israel, when you were 13, you actually like kind of semi-became an adult. Okay, you still weren't able to shave or anything like that. That came later. But you became an adult when you were kind of like 13. So this guy's kind of pushing adulthood. Okay, interesting thought, isn't it? Um, so, you know, he, he was meant to be responsible. He was meant to be doing things. And yet what we're told in verse 44 is thinking it was in their company. They traveled on for a day. and Oh, sorry, um, verse 43. What we actually read is that after the festival was over, the parents went home. But Jesus stayed behind. A bit of attitude there, do you think? Who thinks there's a bit of attitude there? Who doesn't like answering questions at all? <laughs> this guy down the front. Thank you, Josh. I appreciate your dedication to answering questions you don't want to answer. That's amazing. Um, you know, somebody actually really did think that Jesus did the wrong thing. And this isn't just me kind of reading the passage and thinking about it. In verse 48, when they finally find him, <laughs> he's sitting around and all the teachers are amazed at this kid. The parents <laughs> don't have this level of warmth, do they? They're, they're sort of like really upset. Let me read it. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. When my parents were astonished, I normally got a hiding when I was a kid, just by the way. That's what astonishment meant in my family. But um, his mother said to him, son... Why have you treated us like this? Abandonment looks like it's going to become child abuse any moment here, doesn't it? She's really upset. Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. So maybe there's a case, maybe there's a case. It's really Jesus. He's the guy that's been messing up and it's, his mother's basically saying that, isn't she? But what if it's something totally different? What if it's not the parents being neglectful and what if Jesus isn't being bad well what's the third solution well let me just tell you a few things about the parents okay and and the passage wants us to understand some things about them if we've been reading through Luke and as I kind of mentioned before uh, God turns up to this young woman Mary this is you know 12 years prior to this only 13 years prior to this, and said, blessed are you among women. You've been chosen by God. So, you know, we, we really should hold her in pretty high esteem. And, you know, one of the things that actually tells us in the very first part of it is that these people took their faith seriously, Mary and Joseph. I mean, they travelled a whole long way by foot. I, I'm not sure if it was like about 150k or something like that. They travelled all of this distance to go down for this special religious festival and from what I can understand that was their custom people were meant to do that but a lot of people got out of it but they did that so the bible wants us to understand that these are people who really take their faith and their family and everything very seriously one of the other things we should understand as well is that back then the concept of the nuclear family like we kind of know it didn't exist in the same way you were part of a huge clan of people and those huge clans, which were like your grandparents and your cousins, and you know, they all had about 15 children, so there were heaps of people, right? You used to do everything together. That was your protection unit in society. That was your actual center link. You were broke. These were the guys that had to look after you. And so everybody did everything together. And so it was normal, basically, to go on these great trips in great groups of, of family and friends. 
and you know, somebody else will be looking after your kid, and that's the way things normally happen. And so I think one of the things we need to understand, which is alien to us, is that in the Bible, Mary and Joseph are doing nothing unusual. This was common practice. We also need to note the fact in verse 48 is that they are legitimately distressed. These are some parents who are really concerned that they've lost one of their kids. And, um, you know, when they say, you know, we've been anxiously searching um, for you, I mean, I think we should read the word frantic, you know? It's like when your parents come up to you and they hug you and they beat you and they hug you. <laughs> they're, they're so upset and they're so angry at the same time. And this is kind of what's going on here because they really love their kid. But here's, here's the intriguing thing. So I guess what I'm saying there is that they're doing all of these really good things, right? And they're acting appropriately in their day and age as parents should. But so is what's going on in Jesus is really important as well. And in verse 49, this is kind of the clincher of all of the verses in this passage. Because we have this 12-year-old kid, and he is a 12-year-old kid, and I'm going to talk about that in a moment. But he's truly 12 years old. And he is genuinely surprised that his parents are upset. Now, you're probably thinking, yeah, when I was 12 years old, if I took my dad's car out and crashed it, and he came to the scene, he's going, what have you done? I was just taking the car, why are you upset? You know, it's, but just look at what he says. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? And so all of a sudden, you have this 12-year-old who is absolutely convinced and totally sincere about the fact that they just should have known that he was going to be there. You know what I'm saying? He, he's shocked. He's kind of like, they come down and they're saying, we're really anxious. And he's, I'm shocked you're anxious. In fact, I'm anxious that you're shocked. Why didn't you know that I was going to be here? And that seems to be the most important verse. In fact, what we're told in the next verse, which is Luke 2.50, is that when he actually said this, we're told they didn't understand what he was saying to them. Now, basically, that verse doesn't mean we don't understand English well. It would have been Hebrew or Aramaic in those days. They're going, what are you talking about? They just can't understand this thing. And really, the truth of this passage is there's no deadbeat parents. There's no incredibly disobedient son. But there's something going on in somebody's life which has been directed by God, which is so clear and so obvious. But it's not clear and obvious to everybody else. And so nobody's acting bad or disobedient. There is actually an, act, an action of ignorance in the truest, purest sense of the word going on. His parents don't know what this is about. Now, there's a lot of things I don't understand. In fact, if I explain to you all the things I don't understand, you would die before I finish because there's so many things I don't understand. But one of the things that's always really intrigued me is how can you have a virgin birth and not expect your son to be doing some abnormal things? You hear what I'm saying? You know, it's kind of like, you know, I mean, uh, 
she has a virgin birth, angels turn up, there's all these things going on. So why would you expect the life you're going to lead and the life of that child who has had all these promises made by God to be a really normal life? So that, that's the intriguing thing, isn't it? And we're told later that Mary stores all these things up in her heart. She's still not getting it because there's something spiritual going on here. But for this to make sense, there's something I really need to kind of you know, explain to you about really briefly. And it's not going to be easy for you to understand because it's not easy for anybody to understand. But if you understand just a bit of it, you're going to be doing great, okay? Now, when you think of Jesus, you think of Jesus being God. And that's correct. But when you think of Jesus, you've got to think about him being truly human as well. The question maybe you ask, well, is he 50% God and 50% human? No, he's actually 100% God and 100% human all at the same time. But for him to be truly human and function as a true human like us, he actually has to lay down some of his godly powers and kind of like hang them up on a hook for his time on earth. And so the reason he knows so much and he learns so much is the Holy Spirit explains things to him, leads him places. And, but what that really means is that Jesus is truly a 12-year-old boy in the true sense of the word. He's not sinful, never sins in his life. But he really is a picture of what every 12-year-old boy or girl should have been doing. Just having this real sense of who God is and just knowing what he's meant to be doing in that situation. It's pretty overwhelming because as we sit here and it's 2016 and it doesn't seem that much different to 2015, it's something like this that actually can make all of the difference about this year. And that difference is a really unmistakable understanding of who you are and who God is and having a relationship with him and, and, and knowing actually how to express that. Now, this is really tricky, this little bit I'm going to explain now. Because Jesus is 12 years old, he doesn't know everything about everything. He's not an adult in the true sense of the word. He doesn't have a lot of actually adult maturity. In fact, if we go on in verses 52, we're actually told, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature. He didn't have all the wisdom at this stage. He's got about the best 12-year-old wisdom you could possibly ever have. Okay? But he's not an adult. And so, even though he has this clear sense of what God wants him to be doing... Probably would have been a bit wiser if he actually had more wisdom, which he gets later, if he could have said to his parents, and by the way, when you go back to, you know, Nazareth, I'm going to be sticking around here because God wants me to do things. But it just didn't occur to him because he's 12. Okay? How smart were you when you were 12? You, well, you're probably as smart as you were now, but you weren't, hopefully, as wise as you are now. And you didn't know how to do things the same way. And so as we read this passage... You know what it really says to each of us? We have a picture of what it means to be a person, irrespective of age, but certainly a young person. And to really have a sense that even young people have a purpose from God. And there are things and places, places they need to be doing God's things in those places. And that's what makes the difference in 2016. Having a real clear sense of who I am and what God wants me to be doing, and where he wants me to be doing it. 
whole lot of years ago, um, I was at a minister's fraternal. Um, it was like 20 plus years ago now. In fact, it was, yeah, it was a long time ago. And I hadn't really had a lot of experience on hearing from God and whatever. And so this whole group of ministers, there's like about 60 people there. All of a sudden, this guy turns up who's got a gift of contemporary prophecy. He's somebody who has a sense from God what individual people are meant to be doing. Now, out of all of those people in the room, I probably knew 10 of them, you know, kind of fairly well. Five of them really well. And then a handful were my close friends. So as this guy went round and he'd place a hand on somebody's shoulder and said, look, I have a sense that God is saying this about you or doing that. I didn't know most of the time if it made a whole lot of sense because I don't even know these people. You know what I'm saying? They could have been anybody. But what I found so intriguing was when he started coming up and laying a hand on people I knew and started saying things about their life, it was kind of like, wow. And this guy was from a different country. He'd never met anybody in that room before. And it was extraordinary. He came and said some things for my life. And I was so amazed at this level of giftedness that I invited him to come back to my church and and do some ministry with um, a handful of people. And um, the trouble was it didn't go very well. Because he he came up to this friend of mine and put a hand on him and said, God is upset that you have this amazing singing voice that you refuse to use. My friend's staring like this. And I'm thinking, oh no, this is, this is not going well, you know. But that got worse. It got really worse. He comes up to this guy and he puts a hand on his shoulder. I don't know why he puts a hand on the shoulder, but he does. And he puts a hand on the shoulder and says, God said that 20 years ago he wanted you to be a missionary and he was preparing you to be a missionary, but you wouldn't listen. You went off and did your own thing. And this guy just bursts out crying. He just starts weeping everywhere. And there's snot. And it's all happening, you know. And I'm thinking, this is terrible. I'm, I'm going to have to resign. I'm going to get fired. Because this guy is just causing havoc amongst these people. And so I don't know how it all ended up. And um, the guy leaves. And I come up to my friend who, he said, you had this amazing singing voice. And I went, went up to him and said, look, I'm really sorry. He said, oh, no, that guy's right. I do have a great singing voice, but I just won't use it for God. But I really know I have to now. I go, oh, wow. Okay. So I come up to the other guy. He's weeping, and there's even more snot than there was before. It was messy, okay? And he's a, he's a total mess, this guy. And I'm thinking, oh. So I went up to him, and I put an arm around him. I said, I'm so sorry. He goes, no, you don't understand. It was true. I was preparing to be a missionary. And then I went, on, went out and, and met this girl who didn't have any time for Jesus. And I just went off and I just shut that down. And then we got married and the marriage fell apart. And, and the whole, my, my whole life hasn't had any peace for 20 years. And I need to know and go and do this now. So I didn't resign after all. And, um, but the amazing thing was that God had a plan for people's lives. And unfortunately, some of these guys hadn't followed it. God's forgiving. Don't, you know, don't worry about that. God is forgiving. But wouldn't it have been the better thing to do from the beginning, having a really clear sense of what God wants you to do and just saying, hey, I'm going to do it. And I don't care what the cost is, even though there usually is a cost, guys. Okay? As I look around this room, I don't know many of you guys that well. I know a few of you. Some I've got some people in my small group here. 
Well, they were in my small group last year. They probably won't come again this year. Because <laughs> we've got the prophet guy. No, he's not coming. But, I mean, I look around this room. I, I don't really know you guys. But this is what I do know about you. That if you've come and you've really put your faith and trust in Jesus, he's got a plan for your life. There are things he wants you to do. There are only things that you can do that other people can't. And, you know, if you've heard me say stuff like this before, the Bible talks about this a lot. 2,000 years ago, there was a 12-year-old kid who really had an appointment in Jerusalem. Would have been better if he told his folks. We're all agreed on that, right? That's where he was meant to be. And even though he was the son of God, he was a true human being like you and me, coming under the leading of the Lord, and he went where he was meant to be. And all of a sudden, he sat down and people were amazed. But can I tell you, a lot of amazing things happen when people end up doing what God wants them to do. I don't know what those things look like. But it's your job to find out. It's our job as a church to help you. And look, seriously, I don't care how old you are or how old you're not. It's this ministry for everybody at every age. Don't buy this idea, oh, I'm not grown up enough, I can't do things. I, I become grown up when I'm 27. It's not true. You can be grown up when you're 12 if you do it with some wisdom. Okay? You want to pray with me? And pray that 2016, 2016, the year that you really come under this real clarity of where God wants you to be, what he wants you to be doing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this picture of Jesus. In some ways, it's a strange picture, and yet it's the only picture of him between the time he's born and the, really the time his ministry begins. And we just see the sort of life he was living just as a, a human boy. And we pray, Father, that you would, uh, you would help us. Just give us clarity about um, who we are, what we're meant to be doing. Don't, not to worry about what the world's saying or the world is thinking, but to get ourselves sorted out with you, trusting in you, Jesus, trusting in your death and seeking your Holy Spirit's guidance and empowerment to work out what we're meant to be doing this year. Oh, Lord, help us not to be fearful. Help us to count whatever cost it is. And most of all, Lord, help us to understand that our purpose is to glorify you irrespective of what age we are. And we pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.